Hello and happy summer. I am just coming back from vacation and last week was a short kind of fun session or episode, whatever you want to call it. I don't really take this podcast super serious and yet it is late at night and I feel the need to make sure that I continue to put out a podcast every week like I promised to do. I just want to remind everybody that I am the hippie Christian who cares. And when I say who cares, I really do care because I want people to know Jesus, but also who cares. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not even educated in the Bible. I have just read it and I love Jesus and I want everybody to know Jesus. That's, that's why I do this. And so I really was pondering the whole, the Bible is weird thing. And I still hold fast to my opinion and it is just my opinion, but it just made me think that, you know, the Bible is weird. So are people. And it's interesting because in a month that celebrates diversity, diversity in who people love, diversity in the color of our skin. I just think that the way we look at people is important. And it made me think, what does Jesus say about how do we look at other people? I identify as a hippie Christian because I don't want to hang my hat on a specific brand of Christian. And the hilarious thing is I do go to a Lutheran church. I love the people that I go to church with. There are just some of the most amazing weirdos you've ever met in your life. And if you are one of my church friends who listen, you know it's the truth. We are just an interesting, eclectic group of people, and yet we don't see weirdos, we see beautiful humans. And I think that's probably the truth of any search circumstance, not just church. Have you ever heard the song by David Bowie, People Are Strange? People are strange when you're a stranger. It's true. It's like when you don't know somebody, you see their flaws, you judge a book by its cover, and hopefully you don't react on what you see or how you have, you know, prejudged somebody. Hopefully you get to know somebody. And sometimes, hopefully, you give somebody the benefit of the doubt, the benefit of your judgment, and treat them appropriately. So I say all that because I like to say that I I love God and I love people. And I want people to love God and to come to know them on their own. Um Y'all have heard me talk about my brother, John, and my brother, John, 
absolutely is a Christian. And yet sometimes if you read his Facebook social media, you think that he's poking fun at the Bible or you think that he is saying it's not true. He wants people to question and to think for themselves and to get to know who God is and come to that conclusion, not because you listened to the hippie Christian who cares, but because you have met God and have gotten to know him. And that's really what Christianity is all about, is getting to meet this God who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we come to know that God created this amazing plan and created us, people, in his image, and when we spoiled his beautiful creation with our sinfulness, he created a plan to save us from that. That's how much God loves us. He gave us free will and we we wreck it, but he's so full of grace and mercy. And through Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man, he comes to us and lives a perfect life and dies on a cross, which that's just weird in and of itself. We talk about crucifixion and people are like, oh, that's weird. I swear to you, I think it was an article I read about Billy Joel, who is supposedly an atheist. And he said he would go to a Catholic church and he was appalled at this whole idea of loving a God. And here's this God that we nailed to a cross and is suffering. And he thought that was like weird and gross and didn't want any part of it. Yeah, I get that. I think that's weird too. Unfortunately, you have to put it into context of the then and there and then apply everything to the here and now. And sometimes understanding that part of God and understanding all of how everything connects just takes some time. It, it It's part of what interest us as Christians to read the Bible and try to understand this amazing book. And I just am going to call out every pastor, priest, rabbi, anybody who studies the Bible and comes to a concrete conclusion. I say, be careful. God is God. And for us to fully understand his word and his intent, I feel like that's virtually impossible. He sends us his Holy Spirit, or I shouldn't say he sends us his Holy Spirit, but he leaves us his Holy Spirit because he is God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus ascends to heaven, He leaves with us the Holy Spirit. And when he does this, that saying, I'm here with you to help you understand and help you to seek my 
word, my love, and my direction and to try to understand it, and I will help you. I just don't know that we can say anything concretely. My thought process this week was, you know, as you go on vacation, there's lots of people watching and you can't help but look at people and feel like they're so weird. And I'm cracking up because we were four weirdos in a car driving from Wisconsin to Virginia and stopping along the way. And I'm sure people were like, they're weird too. And that's awesome. I love that. It, But it just made me think, what does Jesus say about weirdos and how do we respond to that? I always think of Luke 10, where we attribute Christ to telling others to love God and love people. Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't really say that, but he confirms it. And so if you look up Luke chapter 10, and I I typically use the NIV, the New International Version. It's not really so new anymore, but that's that's the brand of um, translation it is. And so it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. But it starts off with an expert of the law asking Christ a question. And it says, Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Which is weird too. And, And I think that so often we do that as humans. We just instantly want to oppose somebody that might know more than we do. And that's, that's not cool either. And he says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what is written in the law? He replied, Jesus replied, how do you read it? So what's written in the law and how do you read it? And the expert in the law, this person that was supposed to be so knowledgeable, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So the expert in the law is saying that. And both of those commandments are also in the Old Testament. The love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind comes from Deuteronomy 6, 5. Real good sermon, period. If like you go to Deuteronomy 6 and read that whole thing, Joshua gives a pretty amazing sermon. The second part of that is love your neighbor as yourself. And that part actually comes from Leviticus 19.18. And sometimes I always crack up when I am reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm pretty obsessive compulsive in doing it in order. 
one of these times I'm going to mix it up a little bit. But anyways, when I get to Leviticus, I'm always like, uh, numbers in Leviticus, not easy books to read. And Leviticus is full of an enormous amount of laws. And most of them are things that we no longer have to follow. So it's interesting to me how we have picked and choosed or picked and chosen what ones still remain true and what ones are not necessarily something that we still have to follow. A lot had to do with um, making people safe, you know, from food and disease and things like that. And so I can't speak super intelligently about it, but I do find it extremely interesting that the love your neighbor as yourself comes from Leviticus, in which people also use Leviticus to condemn people a lot. Jesus doesn't actually say that. It is the, it is the expert in the law that says, that's how I read the law. And he picks those two things out. And Christ says, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And then it says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And I'm interested to know what it meant by he wanted to justify himself. I'm guessing that in this person's head, he's thinking of people he lives by or people he works with or people he knows. Typically, we know our neighbor, right? And so that's when Jesus begins to tell a story. We are still in Luke chapter 10, and, we, and the story of the Good Samaritan starts on chapter 30. So I'm going to read it, and I'm also going to put my commentary in it. Take it for what it's worth. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Why? Why would the priest pass by on the other side? Did he know that this person, did he look at this person and judge the person? Did he think the person was dead? Was he afraid? Did he not want to touch the person's blood or if the person was dead because there was all kinds of rules about touching blood and touching a dead person and those rules in Leviticus, like I said, why didn't, why didn't his heart hurt for somebody that was hurting? And I, and I do understand 
being scared about something. Like, you know, if you see somebody who might need help, but you might not feel capable to help them, sometimes I might pray. Sometimes I, you know, you, we have uses of cell phones that you might call somebody. So, so when the priest got into town, could he have not told somebody to send somebody back? I don't know, but isn't it bothersome that it was a priest, somebody that claims to teach about God? That's to me, that's interesting. So to a Levite and just biblical background, the Levites were the people that would become priests. So these are people set apart to become priests. And so this Levite, you would also think would be somebody that knows, that also knows the law, that also has a heart for God. And why wouldn't that person be compassionate? When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. So they call out a Samaritan. And we don't really know what nationality or race or religion or anything else that this other man is. We assume that it's that he's a Jew, and if that's the case, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And so for a Samaritan to take pity on somebody that their own race was in opposition to is a great big deal. He not only took pity, but then he actually went over to this person and bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine, which is like a cleansing and healing thing. Then he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii, and I believe that a denarii or a denarius is worth like a whole day's wages. It might even be more than that. But long story short, it's a good chunk of change. And he gave it to the innkeeper and he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So it was one thing that he had compassion that was a good thing. He acted on his compassion and even took it a step further. Like he not only like helped bandage the guy up, but now he puts him on his donkey, gets him to a safe place, feeds him, takes care of him overnight, and then provides for him to continue to be cared for until he's well enough to go back home. That's a lot. That's a big commitment from somebody. And this is Jesus telling us this story. And so he he then goes back to the teacher, the expert in the law, and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor 
to the man who fell into the hand of robbers. And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So when we go back to the beginning of the expert in the law saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, yep, you're right. That was for sure a text coming in on my phone. I forgot to silence it. Super sorry, but you know what? Why edit it out? It's not like this is some sort of fancy podcast that is going out to millions of people. Susie, Brian, Phyllis, all the regulars, Becca, any of my church friends, you know who I am. So it's all good. And to daughter Susie, don't text me while I'm podcasting. Mommy's got a job. No, I'm teasing. Anyways, it really was a text, though. That part's not a joke. But Jesus says, yes, you're right. But then he's pretty specific about who our neighbor is. All three of these men that walked by did not know the person who had been attacked. So our neighbor isn't just people that we know. There were clearly differences, and that tells us something too, that we are called to love people who are different than us, which comes to my description of weirdo. And I use the word weirdo as in unusual, unique, um, extraordinary. I love the word weirdo because it just means that somebody is comfortable enough in their own skin to be different than other people. And that I think is a really, really good thing. And if we are made in in the image of God, then God has a little weirdo in him too. And I think that's just so cool. Let's quick take a break and I'll wrap it up as I always say I will. And then I do like several more segments, but I think I will wrap it up pretty quickly because I just want everybody to ponder who our neighbor is. June is Pride Month. June also celebrates Juneteenth. And I think both of these things sometimes make people uncomfortable. And some people will say those things are weird, and that's okay. I don't know the right answer in regards to homosexuality. I know that it exists and I know that there are people I love dearly that are homosexuals and I know that they are created in God's image and that God loves them 
just as much as he loves any of us. So it might be a question that I will have when I get to heaven, but I love how a friend of ours who is a pastor's daughter said, I feel like when I get to heaven, if I have made a mistake in accepting homosexuality, that Christ will say, it's okay because I chose to be kind and loving and to show Jesus to my friends who also loved a same-sex partner. And I think that is an excellent way to view it. I don't know. I don't know if it is a sin or it is not a sin. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know. I, long story short, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I don't understand. I don't understand um, alcoholism or addiction. I don't understand why somebody gets dementia or why cancer exists in our world. I mean, aren't all of those things part of an imperfect world too? Adam and Eve were perfect. And I know people will always say, well, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. But he did make Steve. He did make people with dementia. He did make people with alcoholism. Because he made Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve were broken, everything else became broken too. So is it part of that generational sin where we cannot be whole people because we are separated from God because we live in a sinful world. So if you call it sin because of that, then okay. But these are people that Jesus looks down every day and is so in love with them, just like he looks down on me and my foul mouth and my all, all the sins that I have, I probably shouldn't start listing all of them because then you'll stop listening to this podcast. I'd like you to think that I'm somewhat of a good human, but seriously, there is one sin after another and Jesus doesn't hang any of that over my head. He doesn't hang alcoholism over people's head. He doesn't hang cancer over people's head. So for me, I will stand by accepting a homosexual and loving on them and pointing them to God, because I think it is far more important to pay attention to somebody's heart than it is to pay attention to who their sexual partner is. As it applies to Juneteenth, my goodness, how in the world do we live in a world that measures people by the color of their skin? And that we would treat people differently because of that. How can we continue 
when we don't recognize differences and we don't acknowledge somebody else's truth. I think we need to do better. I think as Christians, we need to work harder to understand and to give people room to share their story and how they feel and how we can come together to treat people in a situation where there should be only one race, and that is the human race. The Good Samaritan had compassion for somebody that was hurt and broken and beaten up and taken advantage of and mistreated and left on the side of the road. And those are often people that we do know. And sometimes it's people that we don't know. But for us to not have compassion on people is not very Christ-like. So I would urge all of us to work on this. The expert in the law answered Jesus correctly when he said the one who had mercy on him was the neighbor. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. There's the command to go and do likewise, to have mercy on other people. The weirdos of the world, the churchgoers of the world, the non-believers of the world, homosexuals, people of color, people with differences, people that aren't exactly like us. And isn't that a great thing? Isn't it a good, good thing that people are so different because we can all learn from each other? Jesus says, go and do likewise. In the movie, The Family Stone, if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. It's really good. It's kind of a Christmas movie. But anyways, the um, sort of crazy brother tells the other brother's girlfriend, we all have a freak flag Some of us just don't fly it. It's so true. And this month, there are some flags being flown because groups of people have been oppressed and judged and condemned, and it needs to stop. And we need to recognize that everybody is made in the image of God, and we need to Love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and with all our mind. And we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because Jesus says, do this and you will live. And he also says that our neighbor is the one that we have mercy on. The, the person who was the neighbor, was the one who had mercy on the robber. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. 
So keep celebrating summer, keep celebrating people, keep celebrating your weirdness because you're created in the image of God. And that, my friends, is what we all have in common. Let's hold on to that and love God and love people.